Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation is a tax-exempt 501c3 nonprofit private foundation. Your donations, sponsoring, and funding allows us to create content that raises awareness of African-American traditional music, African-American folklore, and the Black experience. Check the link in the description box to donate. If you wish to sponsor podcasts, documentary series, or underwrite ads in our upcoming newspaper, The African American Folklorist, launching February 5th, 2020, contact the email address in the description box. Hey, this is Big Lou. And when I'm on the internet, I'm listening to Jack Dabba Blues. I'm Dietrich Farr, listening to Jack Dapper Blues. Hey everybody, this is Adam Gusso. Hi, I'm Veronica Jackson, America's acoustic folk blues singer. You're listening to Jack Dapper Blues. Hello, this is Ray Brooks. You're listening to Jack Dapper Blues. Hi, this is Guy and Davis. Hey there, folks, this is Don Flynn of the American Songster, slapping the dap with Jack Dapper Blues. Hey, everybody, this is Walter Trout, and you are listening to Jack Dapper Blues. Hey, this is Shamika Copeland. Hey, I'm Ben Turner of Piedmont Blues. I'm here with Valerie Turner. And we are bluesing with Lamont Jack Pearlie, the best radio station for true blues. Hi, I'm Larry Griffin, and I keep it locked and loaded on Jack Dapper Blues. Yes, yes, yes. What's happening, what's happening, what's happening, blues people. Yet again, another great episode of the Jack Dapper Blues podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Chicago being one of the many epicenters of black culture. I speak with Hermine Hartman, who has published Chicago's legendary Indigo, a weekly newspaper for 30 years, in print for 26 and now exclusively online and in email columns. She's released a contemporary history book, Indigo Legacy, Black Lux, 110 in 1997. It's an anthology of African-American Chicagoans, and it includes the first profile of President Barack Obama, who could be considered at this point a rock star. And we're, going to, and we're going to speak about her new show that actually will be premiering in a couple of days. So when you hear the podcast, the first episode will have been premiered, but you will have an opportunity to catch up on everything. So we're going to speak to her today about her journey, her work, and these projects that she's been doing for quite some time. How are you, Hermine? I'm great, Jack. How are you today? I'm doing fairly well, thank you. I'm always excited to speak about African-American culture, history, uh, folklore, and the like. And I'm even more excited because your work seems to be geared in Chicago. And my, my mother and uncle was born in Chicago because my family's oh. part of the migration. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks they, to the right place. <laughs> the hip place. I hear that. <laughs> so first, let's dive into Indigo. You know, what is this historic magazine and how did it start? So, Jack, we started Indigo in 1989. We were the last month. I was really preparing 
for the millennium. You remember there was a whole, whole lot of excitement about the new millennium coming. And so we prepared some new news for the 90s. And uh, I wasn't 100% pleased with the way uh, Blacks were portrayed in the media, uh, politically, crime-wise. It, it looks like it was negative and just a lot of beat up. But we didn't see... Uh, what I like to think of a real life lifestyle stories. Uh, so we developed something uh, that was a little different and we really changed the face of the way newspapers looked in Chicago. So on the front page of our paper was a, a person, uh, might've been a politician, an educator, a business person, an entrepreneur, an entertainer. And we profiled that person. We did a, I call it Vogue-like, Vogue Vanity Fair kind of story on that person. Uh, we had a gossip column. We had a political column. Uh, we had entertainment. We had calendars. And it was, it was kind of on the order of, of what you all know to be Village Voice, an alternative Black newspaper. And I called it a MAGA paper, combination of looking like a magazine and feeling like a paper. Mm. Mm, you know, that's very deep. <laughs> so this is, this is like a double-edged sword here, because first, let me just say I commend what you've done and what you're doing, because that's one of the, the reasons uh, we started our platform. However, I, I have to dive to the side for a moment, and then we'll come back to this journey and trajectory of, of your platform. I have to ask you a contemporary question based on the last few years of how Chicago was being portrayed. How do you feel being the antidote and answer for a, a negative and sometimes incorrect portrayal to in present day seeing how your city is being portrayed? So um, crime is an issue in Chicago. Crime is high and active, um, a lot of gang activity. Uh, we've had police shootings. Uh, and I've done a lot of TV shows. I used to be a regular on a rally. Every time a shooting happened, you know, he would call and ask me to appear and talk about the dynamics of that particular shooting. Um, there has been neglect on um, some communities, some black communities, South Side and West Side, which is where the concentration of black folk, it's where we live. And, uh, you know, you, poverty, poor education, lack of businesses, um, uh, boarded up buildings, um, it's a prescription for bad behavior. And that has happened. And there's no doubt about it. And there's no, no, um, no, no false claims on it. it. That has happened. And so I think we see, we see change. But there's a very, very, as you know, there's a very strong black middle class here. Right. Uh, that, that has been business leaders uh, for the country. Uh, Ebony, for example. Uh, Johnson Products, for example. Um, just many, many aerial capital this year. So we have been a backup for black businesses, entertainment, uh, you know, uh, Curtis Mayfield and 
uh, Chance the Rapper. Those are Chicago people. Muddy Waters. So I'm not trying to Muddy Waters. So we're not trying to paint a a, a, a bad picture because it's not it's it's not bad, but it's not to ignore some problems that uh, that are real. Mm. And politically, you know, we've been the capital for black uh, for Black America. We've had three congressmen, no other city or no other state has had three congressional people serving at the same time. We are the only uh, are the only place that has had an African-American woman sent to the Senate, Carol Mosley-Brown. And of course, we're the, uh, from Carol Mosley-Brown, we got uh, Barack Obama and from the Senate, he uh, went to the White House. You know, we're very proud of uh, of those things. We we just elected a new mayor, Lori Lightfoot. She's our first uh, black female mayor. She's also our first black uh, mayor, openly gay mayor. Uh, we have uh, uh, a lot of lot of strong political activity here with the new mayor. We have a, a black woman who's head of the county board, Tony Preckwinkle, and we have a black woman who is also head of. Uh, who's our state's attorney. So, you know, we got a lot of strength here. Yeah, well, you know, you, you do. And I want to get back into that, but this is a perfect segue only because, and I want to get back to the magazine as well, but you mentioned Barack Obama and he was first, I guess, profiled in your history book that you released. Could, could we? No, no. He was first profiled on Barack Obama was on the pages of Indigo. He was a cover story uh, for uh, Indigo. The book is a compilation of stories that we have done throughout the years. We've done about 1,500 stories. And so we took the top, what we considered the probably the most historical and um, uh, stories and put them in a book that is really kind of a modern contemporary history book on Chicagoans. Ah, okay. So he was initially introduced through your new your MAGA paper. That's correct. Okay. So now, you know, how did it feel? Well, we saw we saw a young man with a whole lot of promise. Uh, he wanted to he wanted a career in politics, and we knew Barack. And we talked to him um, frequently, and. You could see that he was going to be a political rock star. I could see it. I saw it very, very early. He had the discipline. He worked very hard, uh, very communicative, and uh, went everywhere to shake hands. Uh, and uh, he was just a just a perfect, perfect kind of candidate, really. Uh, and then you could see him moving up the ladder. You could see him climbing uh, the political ladder. And uh, getting the support that he needed uh, from the ground up. Barack is a grounds up politician, not a top down. The party didn't select him. He selected the party. Mm. You know, I'm really happy you made that distinction. God bless you. I'm really happy you made that distinction because that that gives um, context to a lot of decisions and better yet, um, his, I, don't, I hate to use the term imagery, but but the way he's been portrayed, that, that gives a, a, a lot of context to that. I, I wanted to ask you this question before 
we we could stay on on the the history but for me african american newspapers is is very historic that is you know as you know we can go as far back as as we can go how this was a a, a good tool for communication across the nation in our communities when you set on this mission from from 89 to this point with with this new show that you're launching anywhere in your mind did you feel you're making history or taking the baton from our ancestors who did such work no i was doing news it's history now but it was news then mm. we were recording actual in real time of what was happening in our world, in our communities. We were documenting, we were recording, we were looking at lifestyles. Now, that's one of the things I wanna point out. When I first started early on, I had a librarian come to me and she sat me down and she said, I want to explain something to you. And what she said is, you are doing news today, but it will be history tomorrow. And she said, I want you to pay close attention to what you're doing. Don't write false and don't write phony because one day people will come and they will look at what you've done and they will say, what was Chicago like in 1995? Mm. Chicago like in this year and you will have covered an era that historians will look at and understand a city a person an issue I took those words to heart that was a very good lesson to learn because it's very true now all of that is history now all of that is a contemporary history now. And we are in the process, as you may know, of um, gifting our papers to uh, the Carter Woodson Library in Chicago, which is the equivalent of the Schomburg in New York, oh. and to the Chicago Historical Society, where we're giving them you know, papers and the papers are also being digitized so that someone can look at these profiles that we've done. And that's how they will be used. We've had people come from all over the world, England, Finland, Hong Kong, uh, Africa, to talk to us about Barack Obama to say, what is it that you saw in him so early that maybe others did not see? Mm. So it's history now, Jack. But at the time, it's lifestyle. It's like, well, we are our conversation today is our conversation today. But 10 years from now, 20 years from now, somebody will listen to this and they will say, oh, let's play this. Let's hear this. And it will it will it will reveal, um, you know, a lot of uh, good detail information of our times. I agree. I agree. I agree. So with that being said, I was going to wait to ask you this question. 
but we have to, before we can continue discussing your work, we have to discuss you and your story. What led you to this moment? What were you doing prior to 1989? What, what, what was your work? What was your interest? So I'm an act magician. Uh, I'm a sociologist and a psychologist by academic training. Uh, I was at the City Colleges of Chicago. I was a uh, professor in sociology and psychology and history. Uh, I then went into administration and became the vice chancellor of external affairs for the country's second largest community college system. Well, first kudos, and it's an honor speaking to you. Where did this interest in your community, culture, folklore, and history come from? Was it through your works or personal experience? So I come out of the civil rights movement. I have uh, worked with Reverend Jesse Jackson for uh, many years. Uh, I did a Black Expo with Reverend Jackson some years ago. And throughout the years, we've, 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 uh, I've joined him in many causes and efforts. Very difficult to get your point of view, your story out into mainstream media. So I was very, very sensitive to that. Uh, I've also done public relations. Very, very hard to talk to uh, mainstream media about a news story uh, at the college level. Easy to talk about crime, shooting, rape, bad, negative, da-da-da-da-da. So I was very, very sensitive to that. And I thought it needed to change. We weren't seeing middle-class people. We weren't seeing business people. We weren't seeing doctors. We weren't seeing lawyers. We weren't seeing our success stories. I didn't see that in the media. And it bothered me. Uh, But in the world of media... As we live it today, whole art of the, you know, when, when we were growing up and we were looking at newspapers, you saw feature stories, you saw fashion stories. Uh, you don't see that too much anymore. Right. Uh, you see crime stories and you see political stories. I think we're obsessed with, uh, with, uh, with, 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 with politics and uh, entertainment, who got married, who got divorced, who's pregnant, who did this, who wore the red dress on the red carpet. Who? I mean, we're seeing all of that. And I was looking for or wanted to showcase the substance. Uh, I, I, will, I will give you something that was a real key, key factor for me. Two things that were really key. Uh, in Chicago, whenever the school board uh, superintendent or the chief of police, uh, whenever there was a new person in office, you always saw a feature story on that person, kind of a lifestyle story. This person liked to uh, go boating or this person liked to do this or the that. And this is how this person became uh, the top of his field. You saw stories like that. However, when the people became black, when we had the first chief of police who was black. You didn't see that story. Mm. That story didn't didn't print. And I thought it was important that the black chief of police, we need to know who he is. So those are the kinds of stories that we did because we saw them missing. So 
Really, Jack, what I saw is what was missing from mainstream, and I made a niche out of not what they did do, but what they didn't do. And I was just trying to give voice and portrait and picture to us. Here's the other thing. To be it, you got to see it. Mm. And when kids could pick up Indigo was a business person on the cover, that impacted that kid. I can't tell you how many uh, today when I walk down the street, go to the grocery store, in the restaurant, a person will come over to me and say, you Miss Hartman? Yes. Miss Hartman, I read about so-and-so in your, I read about Johnny Cochran in, in, in Indigo. I didn't know you could be a lawyer. And I look at him and I say, okay. And he's, he's, and then the person will say, I'm a lawyer today. Mm. I've, I can't tell you how many experiences I've had like that. And every time somebody does that to me, it overwhelms me. And I, I just cry because you realize you impacted somebody's life in a positive way. God bless. And that's what it's about. <laughs> and that's what it's about. That's your bottom line of what it's about. I didn't know I could be an astronaut. I didn't know I could be a doctor. We did a story on a guy who was a neurosurgeon at a Northwestern Hospital. And um, spent a lot of time. We spent about four hours shooting a person. And we did this guy and uh, he wanted to be in his scrubs with a stethoscope. Full scrub regalia. And I was like, no, come on, you want to put on a suit? He said, no, I don't. I want to be in squares. And I asked him, he said, this is my uniform. This is how I come to work. And this is how I go home. And I said, well, but why do you wear scrubs? Don't you put on a sports coat? He said, no. He said, let me tell you why I do this. He said, stop by the police. And I got my scrubs and my stethoscope and my uh, hospital ID on. He said, they usually will at least hear, hear me because I'm a doctor. Mm. He said, they don't believe me when I tell them I'm a neurosurgeon. He's mm. a big guy, real kind of football playing guy. He said, if I had on some jeans on a T-shirt, I can't tell you how many times I probably would have been locked up for absolutely nothing. My goodness, my goodness, a neurosurgeon, this guy's a, a brain specialist. And that's what he told me. I, I've had kids, young people who say they read that story. Now, they're not neurosurgeons, but they're doctors. So mm. that kind of that kind of was some stimulation and important. And you see the effect and um it has meaning and significance. It is very significant. It's, it's stories that need to be told of our people. So before we move to Kind your, of the way we said it, Jack, our motto is we tell stories untold. That's right. Mistold, and they need to be retold. All right now. <laughs> I <laughs> like, like that. that. I like that a lot. Okay. All right. So. Well, you know what? Instead of going back, because I wanted to ask about the um, history book, but I, I want to talk about your new show first. Well, actually, before we get to your new show, your studio. Now, what inspired the decision or that you saw that had you evolve from a, a newspaper into a full-blown studio? So, as you know, the world of print, newspapers, magazines has changed. 
we have gone through a evolution and a revolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a whole different world with this, with the internet and online and social media and so forth. And so, uh, first of all, the revenues that once were in newspapers, and that's all newspapers, it's not there anymore. It's just not there. The advertisers are doing it a different way. And so we've been monitoring that. And then for the sake of business, uh, we wanted to recreate ourselves, re-engineer and redo a business. And television, I think, is still very vibrant. Uh, as you know, we look at, we black folks look at TV more than any other ethnic group in town. Hmm. Uh, and so we looked at what's on TV and we got the comedy hour and we got the scandal and we got the reality and we got the game show. But I wanted to look at some in-depth interviews. Uh, Charlie Rose like, Barbara Walters like, Diane Sawyer like to look at maybe some serious things that I think we might need to be talking about. I love it. And that's the genesis of uh, Indigo Studio, of some new, um, some new, maybe we need to change the conversation. Maybe we need a new conversation. Maybe we need a conversation. You know, we can't keep saying Johnny is a bad boy. We got to talk about why Johnny is a bad boy. Right. Right. And we got to change Johnny from being a bad boy. So Johnny got to look on TV and he got to see somebody that he can relate to, uh, that he can say, when I grow up, I'm going to be like we we uh, the point of view and the insight of black America, I think, is missing. It's not as profound as it could be. We have one. We have two. We have a couple of uh, people who provide that insight. But I don't think we have enough. I agree. I agree. I, to, to the point, I have to ask you, in regards to your movement and, and works and being part of the civil rights movement, do you feel that having not enough representation does not necessarily mean we need to um, flood one party, but subscribe to every black person or black family's needs and is that what you're trying not trying what is that what you're doing with your platform so i think i don't i mean obviously we will look at politics and i think we need to talk about the real issues of of what a political person brings to the table uh, in their platform but i think we need to look at ourselves we need to look at living conditions. We need to look at what our interests are and are not or what they should be or what they shouldn't be. We need to look at education. Uh, we need to look at our authors. You know, we got loads of people writing books and you don't they can't they don't have the opportunity of unless they're a star of getting their uh, their, 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 their their book out. I think we need to look at that. But yes, we will. We will indeed talk to politicians because we want to know. We, you know, we want to know what their thinking is, what their platforms are. Indeed, that was a heartfelt answer because uh, it goes deeper than representation and who we're voting for, and it goes back to right. understanding who we are, so we can make those decisions. Is, am I in the ballpark? That's right. 
That's right. We can make good decisions. I dig it. I dig it. So now let's talk about this new show that's premiering on the 5th. So we're going to do Indigo Studio. It will be a talk show. Uh, and we will talk to authors. We will talk to uh, politicos. We will have some roundtable discussions. We will talk to business people. So we will talk to notables. And we will talk to newsies. And we will talk to newbies. We will talk to entertainers. And we will talk to pop culture uh, people. So if it's happening and it's, you know, kind of, we want to we want to dive in on some great conversations with some great people. The show is going to be ho- co-hosted by a young man named uh, Shannon Peoples. He was a uh, newscaster in uh, New Orleans, not New Orleans, in uh, Monroe, Louisiana. And he, he's from okay. Chicago and he's back. So we're going to co-host. So you get a male perspective, you get a female perspective. He's He's younger than I, so he'll 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 talk a little younger probably than I do, and probably a little different. And um, uh, but together, I think we will make uh, it'll be dynamic. Well, I agree. Just based on my assessment of what you just said, an assessment of our culture and society, there there really needs to be imagery of of bridging the gap. And I believe yes. having both perspectives would 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 be a great way to to show how we could come together because there, there's this um there's a you know I used to feed into this but I, I don't particularly anymore there's a, there's this mindset that one generation just turned away from the other generation and then there's another generation that just left this generation for dead and and the more I, I not just look back but in my works for because, you know, we're forward moving people. I don't see that. I don't see that. I see different things placed to disrupt and divide, which cause, yes. causes a, a, a friction in, in the belief we're system. On the, we're on the same page because that's what I say. Is this whole generational gap, this whole uh, generational whatever, the, that is nothing but another form of division. Correct. That's all it is. Let me let me tell you something. I, I, I went last evening to uh, the Illinois Humanities Council and they had Tahiti Coates with his new book, um, his first uh, book of fiction. Uh, and he said something that really captured his his book is 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 a narrative uh, of, a, of a guy who's a slave and Da, 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 da. I haven't read the book. But here's what he said as he did his research, one of his discoveries. He was saying we need to look at a new slave. We need to look at slavery in a different way. And his comments were, when we think of slavery, we talk about rape. We talk about brutality. We talk about restrictions. We talk about the hard life, the hard work, the beatings and so forth. And he says, so we put slavery in a category. He said, but we don't look at the slave as a person. What mm. was the person like? He talked about slaves running away. And he was saying his research showed the slaves ran away, not to run away, but the slaves ran away when their families were gone, when a child had been removed and sold elsewhere 
or a parent had been removed and sold elsewhere or a spouse had been removed. And so, so a lot of times the slave, the runaway slave was looking for his wife or looking for his child. Oh, the runaway slave was like, I don't want to be here anymore because my family's gone. So I need to move on. And the, the, the agony and the loss gave him the motivation to move on. Maybe to say, I want to kill somebody because they took my mama or they took my dad or they took my child and he moved on. I thought that was profound. Hmm. Uh, hmm. We do look at slavery categorically uh, and we don't hear the slave stories. And then if we want to talk about some of this stuff generationally, there's a everybody's got some black family stories within the family that they don't talk about, that the elders don't talk about because they're just too painful. And they're usually escape stories. How I met your father, how we got to Chicago or New York and what steps they took. And it's from runaway to a normal migration pattern of the man went first and then came back and got his children or somebody maybe got killed and you had to get out of town. You know, we all have those stories Absolutely. in our families. We all have them. Sometimes we know them and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we don't find out about them until death. True. Until granddaddy dies. And then we hear stories. Correct. That's amazing, Jack. You think about that. It sure is. It's a very interesting. It's a very interesting perspective, and those are those are painful things. So I'm, I'm with you. The intergenerational concepts and thinking. I, uh, if you, my mother is 98 years old, and she kind of says it this way. I know if you've been 40, you know what it is to be 20, but if you've been 20, you really don't know what it is to be 40. That's right. <laughs> you've been 40 and I can tell you something but you don't know what it is to be 60 so that's you right but that need to go out the window sometimes I look at these kids just wait you gotta uh, and they right. uh, but uh don't think that uh somebody older than you is the enemy because they're not 100% agree. 100% agree. So now, this show is Chicago based. Is it online? Is it on um, broadcast television? Is it both? So it's both. We're going to be on YouTube. So you'll be able to catch it on YouTube. Now we have, um, we're going to postpone when we start. We're going to start October 12th. We were supposed to schedule start October 5th, but we ran into a couple of issues. And so we're going to start October 12th. That will be our broadcast date. And uh, uh, we'll be on two, on three different channels here. We'll be on uh, NBC in Chicago at 1 a.m. in the morning. And then we will be on the U, which is channel, another channel in Chicago at 6 a.m. in the morning. So we got, we got some for the late, for the, for the uh, night owls and we got some for the early birds. And then we'll also be on uh, at seven o'clock on Monday. So the show will have three airings here. And Jack, here's the, here's the thing. 
Chicago's a world-class city. I mean, everybody kind of comes to Chicago, and this is the Midwest uh, transportation point. Uh, and this city is just so vibrant and so wonderful. We wanted to do a show that is Chicago-centric uh, in terms of faces and places. And everybody comes to Chicago now. So, you know, it used to be when you did these shows, uh, you had to travel or you you had to fly somebody in. Well, now all you got to do is wait because they're coming. That's right. <laughs> if it's about something, they will be here. So we want to catch them while they're here and talk to them. But we want to do a Chicago-centric show. And we don't have a Chicago-centric show anymore. We, I mean, we had Oprah, and God knows she she put Chicago on the map. And then we had Steve Harvey, and then he left us and went out to L.A. So a lot of times when you see shows on TV, you know they're from New York, Saturday Night Live, or you know it's from California. We want to know you. we're from Chicago. I hear that. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Uh, and it's very necessary because, as I said in the opening, Chicago is one of the many epicenters of black culture. I mean, you know, I, I remember. Well, I don't remember because I wasn't there. Let me rephrase that. I read about <laughs> and I was told by my mother uncle and some relatives about the the cultural movement in Chicago many years ago that was called the 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 Chicago version of the Harlem Renaissance. So there's there's been a lot of and that's just only one. There's been a lot of uh black cultural movements that actually didn't a- arrive to Chicago, but we can say it was cultivated there, right? A lot started here, a lot cultivated here, a lot nurtured here. Uh, Example, Dr. Margaret Burroughs started the DuSable Museum, and the DuSable Museum is the oldest and the first uh, Black museum in the nation. And she's, she's she's in the Indigo book. And the way I look at her now, retrospectively, she really started a national movement. Uh, You go to major cities now and there is a museum. There's a black museum. uh, She also started uh, or was a part of, I don't know if she actually founded, but she was a fair part of what we know as the Southside Community Arts Center. And so there was art and then there was the museum that started in her uh, living room. And she was a, uh, she was an art teacher at DuSable Museum. And so that legacy is so rich and so important. Uh, you know all about the music that started here uh, in Chicago. So Chicago is a rich town. This is just a very, very rich, uh, rich, rich place. And it's now too often and too many have to leave Chicago in order to get on the national stage. They got to leave Chicago and come to the Apollo uh, to get <laughs> to get some notice. But uh, that's changing. That's changing also. But uh, there's a lot of activity and a lot of start, a lot of startups here. Well, I'm just really happy that I had the opportunity to have this moment learning not just Chicago history, but your contribution to Chicago Mm -hmm. history. And I would say trajectory because we're forward looking people and you're, you're help. You're not even helping. You're molding a forward movement. And I appreciate that. Yet again, Absolutely. actually, yet again. <laughs> yet right? again, I, I, I hope so. Uh, we want to be successful with the uh, 
with Indigo Studio and uh, indeed want to, you know, shine light on uh, who we are and where we are and what we do. And, you know, Jack, the show won't be a black show. It'll be a Chicago show because we're going to we're going we're going to interview everybody and, uh, you know, let everybody bring their light. But we're going to look at it from black eyes. You know who I would most like to interview? You know who I would like to interview? Tell me. Donald Trump. That would be interesting. (laughs) Man, I got some stuff for him. I got some questions for him. And I bet we would just have a good time. I'm sure. He would say, are you talking to me? I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Let's let's talk about it. Uh, Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, being the among the generation of my family first born in New York City, I grew up not with him, but with Donald Trump. He has a lot of Chicago ways. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Chicago ways. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you know, to keep, I have to stay safe because I need to stay on the air. <laughs> That's but, right. Um, you can't, can't say it right now. Say it right. <laughs> but, yes, uh, we have to do this again. And I will definitely be reaching out to you off the air every so often because I, I respect and honor your position mm-hmm. and, and, and wisdom. Okay. And do you come to Chicago? Well, I'll be there. I have to be there very soon. And I will definitely let you know when I'm coming. And it's not necessarily for family business, but for more for blues business. Uh-oh. Got some blues business in Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, that's a, that sounds good. 